Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 87, and I'm talking with Jax Mariosh. Jax is a professional ultra runner, and she's also a small business owner. She owns a coffee company called Stoked Roasters. Jax was the first woman in the world to complete the Four Deserts Race Series Grand Slam Plus. In addition, she was also crowned the 2016 Four Deserts Female World Champion. In this episode, we talk about her drive to get out there and do what she does, and she also recounts some pretty incredible stories from when she was out there competing in these races. Makes you want to live your life with a little more grit and determination. At the end of the episode, we get to our fun questions and I learned that she's a big Taylor Swift fan. So cool, right? We are going to do a fun giveaway with her coffee company, Stoked Roasters. So make sure you're following me on Instagram, Lindsay Hine 626 and we will be doing that giveaway over there in the coming days. Before we get started talking with Jax, I want to thank Generation UCAN for supporting this podcast. Generation UCAN powders and bars have a super starch that gives you a slow-release carb without a crash. It provides you with long-lasting energy, and it's easy on the stomach. The super starch is the secret sauce in UCAN, and there's just nothing like it. You guys can try UCAN samples for under $5 plus free shipping. To get those samples, go to generationucan.com slash samples and save an extra 15% off of that when you use the code ANOTHER, all caps. Make sure you guys stick around to the end of the episode because I'm going to give you a little sample of the live show. You can get full access to the live show by supporting my Patreon page if you go to patreon.com slash All future live shows will be aired over on Patreon as well as episodes with returning guests and episodes with my husband, Glenn. Lots of good stuff over there on Patreon. All right, guys, enjoy my conversation with Jax. Okay, well, how are you doing today? Doing awesome. <laughs> so we're talking with Jax Mariosh. Tell everybody a little bit about your life, where you live and uh, what you do. So um, I live in Park City, Utah, and I am I own a coffee business called Stoked Roasters, and then I'm also a professional ultra runner. So kind of jack of all trades and running and then fueling myself with coffee to keep running. <laughs> how, how long have you lived in Park City? I have been in Park City, I guess, kind of for a year officially. <laughs> Where are you but from? I am from Boulder, Colorado, and then I was a little bit of a gypsy for a while where I lived in Hood River, Oregon, which is where our headquarters is for Stoke Roasters, and then I would spend winters in Jackson Hole, Wyoming uh, to ski, and so I kind of bought back and forth between those two for a bit, and then started um, getting Park City into the mix, too, and officially made a home base here in Park City. <laughs> yeah, so you like grew up and have always been around this like outdoorsy culture. Definitely. Um yeah, ever since I grew up in Denver, Colorado, I'm a Canadian, so moved when I was 3. Oh, okay. And um and we would ski as young little kids and I always just loved like mountain towns and being outdoors and so I think that runs really thick through my blood. <laughs> do you have siblings? I do. I have three sisters. Oh wow. Do they are they outdoorsy and athletic and do they run crazy ultra marathons too? They 
don't. Um, two of my sisters live in Manhattan, and one actually does do a Brooklyn Half New York City Marathon. So she's really into the road marathons and so on. Okay. And then my younger sister actually um, is doing a project right now that she's calling Every Damn Day. Okay. And she is doing some form of exercise every day and recording it on Strava. Oh, fun. And yeah, so it's a mix of things. It could be racquetball one day, cycling one day, going on a hike with her one-year-old one day. So it's like this mix of things. And then my stepbrother is into spinning and yoga. So we kind of all get out there, but in different ways. <laughs> Do you know what your sister's name on Strava is so we can follow her? Uh, it is Alexis Schroeder, S-C-H-R-O-D-E-R. Okay. What's your name on Strava? You're on Strava, aren't you? Yeah. Um, Jax Mariash. Okay. Um, all right. So let's get into your running career a little bit. You, um, you, you know, you say from a young age that you kind of knew like this was in your blood and this is what you wanted to do, but kind of tell everybody how you get start, got started and, um, when your passion for ultra running began, because what we'll get into is that you, um, were the first woman in the world to complete the four deserts race series, Grand Slam plus, which is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. crazy. <laughs> um, so I started running when I was five years old. And I entered a 5K with my mom and didn't really know what was going on, but towed the line. And I ended up like first in my age group. And, At the age of five. Yeah, and was so hooked. And so I kind of took a different path as a young kid with running. And we would just train during the week and then do different races on the weekend and I mostly did like 5k's and 10k's through childhood and then dipped into cross country and track in high school and then kind of spit off and did um, triathlons and duathlons for a decade and checked out the multi-sport scene and through that whole process I missed the simplicity of running mm. and so I kind of went back to just running and helped found Boulder Track Club in Boulder, Colorado, and dipped into the road racing scene for a while and specialized in half marathons. And when I moved to Hood River and there was like an abundant trail system all around and not as much of a like running network, I was trying to find motivation and a reason to get on these trails. And so I was like, I'm just going to sign up for a 50K and see how it goes. <laughs> And so I signed up for the Silver Falls 50K, and I ended up placing second overall. Mm. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> and then I just craved going longer and longer. And through a series of trying to get enough points to participate in Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, which is in France. Oh, I've heard I, that. Uh, yeah, it's a really prestigious running race over there. And I just stumbled upon the Four Deserts Race Series and signed up for my first one, totally not knowing what I was doing. And then that's kind of how that whole stage racing world started. <laughs> okay, so I've 
interviewed Chrissy Mayo on this podcast. Do you know who that is? I don't. She's like a she's an ultra runner. I'm surprised you don't know. Well, anyway, she's the first person that introduced me to what that race is that you're talking about. The what's it called? The Mont de Blanc or Oh Ultra Trail Mont Blanc? Yeah, Ultra yeah. Trail Mont Blanc. And and so I've also interviewed another ultra runner who um participated who did Badwater. And so she oh. kind of like you know, taught me a little bit about that. But these desert races that you've been doing, tell me, tell me what they are and what they consist of. And actually, like, I'm just so curious why you would want to put yourself through, the, you know, because like, I could imagine wanting to say I did a 100 mile race, but in the conditions that you did it in, I'm just like, I don't know that I could even want to do that. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, it definitely is a lot of stumbling upon it for sure that started the whole thing. But so the four desert three series is the traditional four. Um, it's a series of five, uh, like 155 mile self-supported ultra running races. So how it works is you do, it's a stage race. So you basically have, um, the first four days are, Anywhere from like 20 to 28 mile days. Okay. And the fifth day is 50 miles. Sixth day is a rest day and the seventh day is a 10K finish. So it's really front loaded. So that in itself is becomes really difficult as the days compound. So then you add that you're going to carry everything that you need to survive on your back. So all the food that you need for the week, your safety equipment, sleeping supplies, and any required items that they make you bring, so extra clothing, etc. Um, the only thing that the race series will provide is medical aid in extreme cases, so you're pretty much at the point where you're probably going to drop out, um, a tent to share with up to nine others, and then hot and cold water. And then to add to that, it is in the most um, undulating and rugged and rough terrain in the world. So the settings of the traditional four um, is Sri Lanka, Antarctica, uh, Atacama Desert in Chile, and um, the Gobi Desert in China. And so all those four races, if you do that in one year, that's called the Grand Slam. And if you uh, then they add in a roving race, which could be anywhere. So it doesn't have to technically be desert terrain. So last year, this additional race that they call a roving race was in Sri Lanka. And um, so if you do all five in one fiscal year, that's called a Grand Slam Plus. Okay. And so when I came around, um, no woman had ever done all five in one year. And so how this whole crazy thing started was um, when I was searching for those additional points for Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, the only race left in the year to get points was the Atacama Crossing in Chile. And so I was like, I don't know why this race is so expensive, but screw it, I'm going to go. And so I signed up for it. And right when I signed up, my friend was like, do you have any idea what you just signed up for? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's just a stage race in Chile. It can't be that hard. Like the miles are kind of separated. And she's like, you should watch this documentary called Desert Runners. And I was like, okay. So I went and I watched it. And it was basically about um, – just uh, individuals that were taking on the Grand Slam. 
And I watched that documentary and literally had a panic attack after. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to carry everything on my back. How does someone do that? The race is seven weeks away. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm totally out of my element. And I was so scared. I'm like, how could any human being do four of these in one year? And um, so I towed the line at Atacama Crossing. My pack weighed 28 pounds, uh, which is extremely heavy for, like, to compare – the next year when I did Octocrama Crossing again, I had the lowest pack weight at 14.8. Mm. So learned a lot. <laughs> and I was, uh, it was a really hard week of learning how these races work and bruises and just you'd go through so much adversity out there. And through it all, I ended up finishing second. And um, my... Um, ex-husband was uh out there like promoting what was going on and sharing it with people at home and the I guess like virility of it and inspiration that came from it was so moving Mm. that um it really reached my calling which is to inspire people to get outside and so then I we kind of looked at okay how could we take this to the next level next year and really move the masses and really inspire people. And I've always wanted to do crazy things to get people moving. (laughs) And so I tossed around the idea with the four four deserts crew. And in the end, we decided to just jump in and try to do all five in one year. And so that's kind of how that whole idea started. And I was like, if I could move that many people with one race, what could I do with five? Mm. And so then I just jumped in and took on the challenge. And then I ended up winning the four main races and becoming uh, the female Four Deserts World Champion. Now, if you're carrying this pack on you the whole time, huh? is it essentially like a swift hike? No. Um, if you, for some folks it is, but if you want to win, you, um, you're trying to probably 90% of the time you're running. Okay. Okay. And then tell me about how you keep yourself cool. Cause are some of the destinations, I mean, you say Antarctica, so was that cold? It was, um, you know, there's global warming, warming is happening. So it was warmer than it's ever been. How warm was it? Uh, zero degrees Celsius. So 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so that actually made it really difficult. We actually wished it was in the teens because, um, the snow at, in the thirties becomes soft. Mm. And so it becomes like, beach running, sand running kind of, and it's super slippery. So the tendons and like your, um, ankles and so on start to get really upset after 250 K. <laughs> and it was really interesting because of how that race worked. We ended up, you run these loops in different areas. And so we ended up running 24,000 feet of climbing Ooh. over that, that week. so it was it was the hardest race of my life it was so so hard and just like to compare and the other races my 
cumulative time was around 30 to 31 hours to complete the 250K. And to do it in Antarctica, it took 40 hours. Mm. So 10 10 hours more. And that was your last one. That was the last one. Um, Yeah, so it was almost a year ago right now. And then on top of that, you sail on a ship to Antarctica through the Drake Passage, which is the roughest seas in the world. So if you can imagine, just to get there, it's 48 hours of like 19-foot waves that you're rolling through um, up and down for 48 hours straight. Did you get Um, sick? Like were you seasick at all? We did on the way back. My cabin mate, Ting, and I really struggled. It was a lot. Um, a lot worse on the way back. So you want to be celebrating this huge accomplishment and all you want to do is throw up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was really hard. <laughs> Were you ever, like, scared for your life? Um, in these races? Yeah, or just, like, traveling and just in all the crazy stuff that you've done getting to the races, even just, like, when you were describing that boat race, I feel like, or the boat out there, I think I'd be, like, scared. I was scared. Um, I am not so good with – I'm scared of drowning. Okay. So when the boat was really rolling on the way home and, like, the water would go over the entire boat, you were, like – it was really, really scary for me. And so I would just lie in my bed in my cabin and there was this TV that would just keep playing a loop of movies. And so we would either watch those or movies on my iPad and try to just, like – um, distract yourself. (laughs) Um, and then there was other points too. just traveling, traveling to China was really scary for me. Once you got to Hami, there was no, it wasn't really English speaking at all. And so that was really scary for me because I was all alone. I couldn't communicate really well. Um, so there was points like that in traveling around the world that you start to feel really small Mm -hmm. and you realize I mean, just how to communicate becomes more difficult. Um, So that it can be kind of scary. Yeah. Now tell me about when you're out there doing these like long races and you're by yourself and you have no support. Like what do you learn about yourself when you're out there or learn about the world and your mortality and just like life? (laughs) Well, you realize you're really small Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Gobi March in particular – Um, I think in all these, we do end up running solo a lot, especially up front. Like, I feel like I ran by myself probably 90% of the time. And you, your perspective of life changes a lot, especially how you deal with adversity. Mm. Um, So when you're out there, like, so I'll take the Gobi March, for example, 50 mile day, it's 130 degrees. You're in the black Gobi desert. So the terrain is extremely hot. Um, I was making history that day by being second overall and I vomited three times, um, and was worried that my digestive system was starting to fail. And then once I got through that, my shoes um, were kind of falling apart during the whole race because of the heat of the terrain. And they eventually uh, melted on the bottom. So there's like two holes on each foot pad. And so I could feel the burn of the terrain on my feet. 
which created these humongous blisters. Um, and then those, uh, on my foot pads and those eventually ripped off, which is totally disgusting. And I still had two races left. So I had to figure out how to deal with that upon getting home from China. Um, and then the last thing that happened was between checkpoint six and seven, I ran out of water. Oh my and how many I started, miles is that? let's see, uh, between checkpoints, I'm guessing that one was around 10 K, but you're so in like 130 degrees. degrees. Yeah. And you're shuffling and your heart rate's at like 145 because you're dealing with uh, extreme heat. So it's interesting what happens with your system. And I'm completely out of water and I'm hallucinating. Um, I keep thinking I'm seeing the next aid station and then it's not there. And then eventually I'm like, I'm going to die. Like there's, I'm going to fall on my face and die. And I'm imagining myself literally dead in the desert in the roving vehicles picking me up and I'm like shipped off on a box home Mm. and I'm like in this low place. And so you have to manipulate your mind into thinking you can survive because if you stay in that mental state, you're screwed. Mm. And so Immediately, I literally like was drinking out of my water bottles and faking that I was drinking water. I would take a handkerchief that I would usually wet at aid stations and wipe on my body to um, kind of create a colder body temperature. And I was pretending that it was wet and like wiping my body. Oh my gosh. And so like literally psyching myself into thinking I'm totally fine. Everything's great. I'm drinking tons of water. And, um, and eventually I got to the aid station and drank three liters of water. They sprayed me for 15 minutes and then, um, I made it the last 5k to the finish. And so like, that's probably the most extreme of, um, feeling like I'm going to die. Um, but there was many other times you felt like that. And so all of a sudden it's like, that's like crisis scale nine or 10. And, um, so when you go back to kind of like, let's call it the real world and adversity comes, your crisis meter is completely different Mm. and how you approach real life is all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this problem's not that bad. We got this, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I remember almost dying. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting and it's, it's, Nuts! Like when you go into these races, no matter what level you are, how experienced you are, you know stuff's gonna go wrong, yeah. and um, you get kind of scared when day one comes because you don't know what's gonna go wrong. Um, and then when it does go wrong, you have to be part of being a champion in these races. Is how do you deal with it? Did anybody go with you, like travel with you there? No. Um, it's too expensive was yeah. part of it. Yeah. And then, but what happens is like there was, I think, five people that were trying to do the Grand Slam Plus, And then there was another 11 that were trying to do the Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. And so that group of individuals became family. And to this day, we actually even have a face group. Facebook group called the breakfast club that we have literally communicated nonstop ever since. And we all even met actually at ultra hero Mont Blanc this year because some folks were running it and we had a reunion there. 
And so it's literally those folks, like we literally started scheduling our travel to either hop into airports together and travel the rest of the way together or stay in hotels before the race and after. So it was almost like we, we became this international family um, that would end up going through this process together. What's a common characteristic of someone in that group? Uh, probably A-type personalities. We're all a little OCD, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and um, uh, I don't know, just like our stamina and grit is um, probably a little bit abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> would, so this was in 2016. Would you do it again? Um, I would do a different challenge again. Yeah. Because um, I feel like I, I kind of did – I think right now I'm the most decorated athlete in that series. Um, but I'm looking for something n- bigger for next year. Um, so this year's kind of been an off year, even though I've, I am doing like 19 races this year. Oh it's it's kind of all like a day you toe the line. It could be a day where you get second. It could be a day where you decide to I had tried to find a project and I'll find someone like in Ogden marathon. There was a girl that was just trying to do her first marathon and run a three forty five. And so I actually just hopped back and helped her achieve her goal. Um, so it's been, that's been really fun this year to just take a lot of the pressure off um, and have a little fun. And then as I'm figuring out what could be that next big movement next year, do you ever have vision to um, try to run a fast marathon? I mean, not that you can't, but you do all the ultra stuff, so it's just a completely different mindset. I I do. Um, back in um, the early 2000s, I was trying to go Olympic trials. Okay. And so my PR right now is a 302. Okay. So I'm like that traditional lady runner that's like, I need to break three hours. Totally. <laughs> Um, I am doing New York City Marathon, actually, in a couple weeks. Oh, you are? Um, so I'm really excited about that. And um, so we'll see how, how that goes. But it's definitely – it's different running shape and totally. training. Yeah. Um, which is hard because coming from a road running background, I feel really slow on the road mm-hmm. <laughs> now. Um, but I'd love to do like a three – 15, 310, 315 in New York. Um, but I think someday I would like to dip back into road racing and see. I want to break 120 and a half. I've done a 124. Okay. And um, and three hours in the marathon would be pretty sweet. What's your favorite kind of race to do, though? There's something about the stage races that I really do. I do like um, the camaraderie that's out there and kind of being trying to be the queen of that whole, um, ultra world is definitely something that I have a ton of passion for. And then I also really love 50 mile races. Mm. Um, do you feel like in fifties, since you've done so many, like a oh, hundred plus, do you feel like in fifties you can still go like pretty fast? Yeah, you can. Um, so like, for example, I won, um, the North face, 
endurance series 50 miler here in park city three weeks ago okay and um it was so cool it was like really moody out because it snowed the night before and a foggy day um but yeah you can go a lot faster clip um and so it goes by really quick and um this one it was 10,000 feet of climbing so i think my time was 9:45 or something like that so it's definitely a lot faster than throwing a pack on your back and slugging through the desert and um and it's nice when it's done in one day <laughs> how close was the second place behind you um, it got really heated, actually. Oh, uh, she, she was 25 minutes behind at halfway, and so I started to let up and get comfortable. And so my pacer and I were just, like, talking and having fun. And then all of a sudden, with nine miles to go, they were two minutes behind. Woo. And I freaked out, and I ran so fast up this mountain it was four miles up and then five miles down to the finish and I never looked back and I completely like went into like a humming panic a little bit and um just went over the top blew through the aid station switch pacers and literally my friend Jenny I was like okay your job is to literally look for these two girls and call trail so I can just blow through everybody and don't let me quit (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I ended up, um, I think, seven and a half minutes ahead. And then the next girl, I was 15 minutes ahead of her. And the next was like an hour. So <laughs> it got stressful. Yeah, I was going to say, like, my, heart's, my heart would be racing. Like, you're like a bear is chasing you or something. I know. It was so, it was really, I mean, it was luckily this guy came along and we were cheering him on. It was his first ultra ever. And I'm like, you are in seventh overall right now. And I was, he's like, how does it feel to be number one? I'm like, it feels so good, but I'm always kind of scared if someone's going to catch me. He's like, oh, they're like right there. And I'm like, what? And that's when we started to figure out. And so then my pacer, Jimmy, took advantage of us starting to climb and these switchbacks to like look over the edge and see. And he was like, yeah, you got to pick it up. And so he literally helped me to put the heat on. And like, that's where Pacer becomes so awesome because they just keep telling you, you're going to be okay. And I mean, you're at mile 42 and you're cashed out and they just, um, you know, set a pace and you just, chug along behind them and you just can't give up <laughs> so man how, how relieved were you when you finished across the finish line I literally was like jumping up and down screaming and practically crying <laughs> um it was major relief and I just thought she was like right there I mean that's when you feel that kind of heat that's just what you imagine and so um I was really elated and that's where I you know, the podium becomes really, really special. Yeah. I, um, I can't even imagine the stress of like, I run for time mostly right now. And, um, I just can't put the stress of female, like the stress of female competition stresses me out for some reason. Like I just, I don't want to think about it. I just want to run for my own time. But if I was winning a race, I would feel the exact same way. Oh, it's so hard. Like, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, like, I mean, kind of stepping into that next tier, you know, of just really like top level elite ultra running. Um, it adds, 
it adds a lot of pressure. And then you have sponsor pressure too, you know, where it's like you want to really represent and you're trying to get on the podium every single race. And, um, so it's, it's interesting. Like it, it puts more pressure on your training. And, and last year with those races, once I won one, I wanted to win the next. And then once I won the next, I wanted, I wanted to win all four. And that was really, really hard mentally. And just even like from a training perspective, it was just like you had to do everything perfect in order to be at the top. And it's hard. (laughs) How do you prepare for that like the competition that you know is coming um pre-race I mean like I I guess a good example is so my biggest race this year is actually the North Endurance 50 miler in San Francisco which is a month from right now okay and so this is where everything becomes like critical um so I've been racing so much that my training has been like you kind of like train get a little volume then you race and you take a recovery week and then you race again and then you take a recovery week so it's like you can't get caught up in that (laughs) because your miles look all weird Mm -hmm. and inconsistent um and then so there's a lot like the focus now becomes you want to almost like perfectly hit your running schedule for the next month um you need to do all your strength training um because that's critical to kind of deal especially with trail running and moving up mountains and then I actually meditate every day and um, so I believe in positive affirmations and like literally visualizing your goal and outcome and so I add in you can call it mental training Mm -hmm. and then um, I try to drink a gallon of water every day because I believe hydration is really important and um, and then your nutrition needs to be pretty dialed. But you also like indulge in like beer and stuff, right? I do. I have like a beer or two a day. That's my thing. What kind of of beer do you like? I love um, like Belgian white beers and Hefeweizens. Um, And not too picky about brands. I love tons of different brands, but I love more like the craft beers. Mm Mm-hmm. So right smack dab in the middle of this race that you're doing in four weeks, though, you're just like, I'm going to go try to run a 315 marathon at New York. Yeah. Um, so is yeah, that no just considered sure. a training run? Yeah, it is. But you still want to run hard. I do. And I was accepted into the sub elite field. So that puts a lot of pressure on, too. Um, yeah. So super fun. Um, they allow 50 men and 50 women to toe the line um, up front with, uh, I think we start with the pro men, um, pro women go off, I think a half hour before. Um, and then, so it's like, you really want to do really, really well. Um, (laughs) so it's kind of hard training wise because I need to add in a lot of speed right now at the same time that, um, the North face endurance series, that's 11,000 feet of climbing and 50 miles. So I have to keep running up mountains and then you add in the motivational challenge of um, it's starting to snow here and a lot of your friends that are runners, their seasons are over and because we're going pretty late into the year now. And so that's hard too because now your running buddies are 
in a rest mode and you're like, wait, don't you want to do a 22 mile run with me? So there's a lot of additional challenges right now um, to make it through this season. Yeah, I don't even know how you can handle doing speed work when you have to do all that mountain training. It's really, really hard. Yeah, um, like what do you do for your speed? Uh, so I love doing um, kind of like shorter, quick stuff. Uh, so like I'll do stuff like 10 by 1 minutes within a 10-mile run. Okay. So I'm kind of talking a little more endurance than I used to in road racing. Um, but I'll do that on flat terrain so I can get those super fast one minutes in. Or I'll do like eight by two minutes or um, I love doing waterfall workouts. So what that means is I'll do like, um, let's see, one by four minutes, two by three minutes, three by two and four by one. So it's like you're doing um, more intervals as you go along, but they're getting shorter. Mm. So the lactic acid really builds up, but it's like, when mentally the time gets shorter, you're like, oh my gosh, this one's only a minute. The first one was four. I'm going to be fine. Mm. Um, so that one I love doing or pyramids where you kind of go like minute, two minute, three minute, two minute, one minute. Um, so doing stuff like that where you kind of flow up and down, up and down. Um, but it's all about just kind of mixing it up, getting that really fast turnover and, Something that I do a little bit different that my uh, old coach of mine, his name is Lee Troop. Uh, he's an Aussie and he's gone to Olympics three times. Um, one thing he taught us was when we do our um, speed work, we actually warm up and roll straight into the workout and roll straight back out. And so you're not walking and you're not stopping. And so that's to mentally keep you going as far as if you think of a marathon you're not stopping and you're not walking. And so it makes you like right when you finish an interval, you kind of want to walk, but you just jog. And so it's like you're, it creates this extra um, mental layer of strength when it gets to race day. Um, so that's kind of a cool element that he taught us. I like so. to do, I like to do that. Like I, when I do speed workouts, I like to roll right into it because I feel like once I warm up, if I stop, then I, I'm like stopped for like five minutes and I'm like, all right, we're going to get, get this going again. And it's like, a yeah. nice, kind of like slowly put like speed my warm up into the workout. I do much better. Yeah. It's almost like you lose a momentum a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And mentally, I don't, it's so funny. Like I've been running since I was five years old and every speed workout I get anxiety mm. And I don't know what that's about, and it's obviously just personal pressure on myself, but it's like I get I get a little, I don't know, I get tossed up and scared for a second, and then once I roll into that first interval, I'm like, oh my God, this is so fun. I'm like, doing I'm it. Off intervals. Yeah, like this is happening. I, um, <laughs> I just did like a, so I'm doing a marathon in two weeks, the same weekend you are, but mine's Saturday, yours is Sunday. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and um, I did like a 10K time trial on Saturday, this past Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I tried to act like I wasn't thinking about it all morning, but I was like a little bit grumpy, like until we got there. And <laughs> when we started the first mile, I was just like, how am I going to get my legs to like move this fast for six miles, 6.2 miles? And then I get to mile three and I'm like, okay, you're doing it. You're doing it. Yeah. Like you literally only have half of what you just, you, like you're halfway there. Yeah. And I, and then I get frustrated with myself because I'm like, why did I get worked up about this? Like I know that I'm not the kind of person that quits. Like I don't quit. So like, right. 
I'm going to get through it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, I think we all kind of do it. Um, but I think that like what you just said is a perfect example of how you have to stay in that positive mindset. And that's what gets you through that interval session is there's always that little birdie on the left side. That's like, Oh, this is too hard. I should slow down. I'm tired. I don't know if I can do this. And then there's this birdie on the other side. That's like, you've got this and it's only, you're already halfway. And I mean, you have to like, just like knock the left birdie off and just focus on the right. And that comes to race day too. It's like you could get to, a um, half half marathon point is always my hard point where I'm like, oh my god, I still have like halfway to go. But you have to be like, awesome, I'm already halfway. Then all of a sudden, I'll only have ten miles left, and it will be in single digits. And so it's like you have to kind of think like that, and that's what makes it go by. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I keep envisioning the race too. Like I've done a lot of race vis- visual- visualizations and I'm like, you'll get to halfway and then the race really starts and then you focus on getting to mile 20. And then you, I was actually just thinking about this when you were talking about being in the desert and like making up in your head that you actually had water in your water bottles to will yourself to finish. And it's just like, getting through that last six miles, like it's going to be so hard to keep your pace, but just, yeah, use that positive thinking to, to do it. Just like, this is going to hurt no matter what. So I might as well keep speeding up if I can. And like to that point, like when I was in cross country, my favorite quote was pain is temporary. Accomplishment is forever. Mm -hmm. And I literally, when I start to psych myself out, I'll say that. Because at the end of the day, when you're having a celebratory beer with your friends after the marathon, you're going to be so much happier with yourself. If like, yeah, because you don't want to walk away from being like, I could have done better, but you know, uh, it was hard at mile 12, you know, versus like I pushed through and it was so cool. (laughs) It's so tough. Like there's moments in races where I'm like, but do I really care? Like, why do I feel like I have to work so hard? Like, I don't have to be doing this. I could be at home on the couch with my kids. (laughs) You're so right though. Like when you finish, you're like, oh, like I want to celebrate what I just did. Right. And like, it's, it's funny. It's like, we are choosing to do this, yeah, right. you yeah. know? And that's the thing too. It's like, especially those races last year when I would have like those really tough moments, it's like, I am flew across the world mm-hmm. to do this race. And I am like, you got to do it. Yeah. Like you just, like you've committed to this and you've worked so hard for this one day and you want you want that all to be worth it. <laughs> this is not the day to give up. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I want to take a quick break and thank a couple of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. And the first is the Donna Marathon. The Donna Marathon Weekend is the national marathon to finish breast cancer. It's the only marathon in the U.S. dedicated to breast cancer research and care. There's also a 5K and a 10K and a half marathon as well as a team component. There is something for everybody. It's a flat, fast course and a great Boston qualifier. And I will be heading down there in February to run the race. You should run it with me. I already have a couple of people who have reached out and said they think that they're going to come too. So it sounds like we're probably going to have to do a meetup and 
I don't know, maybe we'll do a like impromptu live show. We're going to figure something fun out. And you know who else is always at the race is Joan Benet Samuelson. You guys go over to breastcancermarathon.com and use the code Lindsay15 to get a discount on your entry. There is a price increase on October 31st. So head over there and get signed up if you if you know you're going to do it already. All right, guys. And I also want to thank Zappos for supporting this podcast. You guys probably already know that Zappos has fast and free shipping. They have free and easy returns, 24-7 customer service, and a 365-day return policy. They have hundreds of your favorite brands, including Nike, Adidas, Brooks, Asics, New Balance, and more. I saw some Lorna Jane and some Lucy on there. They have thousands of colors, styles, and sizes, and they have athletic shoes, workout clothing, and accessories. Zappos literally has everything you need to wear for your run. You guys go to zappos.com and check out what they have to offer. Thanks Zappos for supporting this podcast. And you guys, let's continue my conversation with Jax. So when you were doing it though, you were raising money for Lyme disease. What's your, um, what's your pull to that? So I had some close friends that were affected by Lyme and I watched them just kind of suffer through um, treatment protocols, sometimes just be in bed all day. And um, it was really hard for me to see my best friend suffer, suffer like that. And it made me realize how unaware folks are of Lyme disease. And, um, and then it made me see these little kids that um, their whole lives could be affected by it. And so... Um, some of those friends uh, founded the Limelight Foundation, and so I decided to help through this process to create awareness um, and help raise funds for the Limelight Foundation. And that foundation in particular, they help children to get the medical aid that they need, uh, so they provide grants that are up to $10,000 um, for um grant recipients. And so then that those funds can be used to help um, with treatments and protocols, because unfortunately, right now, insurance is not covering that. So when you get Lyme disease, it's a tick bite, right? It is. It's carried through a deer tick. Um, So that's the most common um, way that it happens. And then the problem is that it's extremely hard to diagnose. Mm. And sometimes you may not even know that you had a tick bite, Uh, but all of a sudden you're having like fatigue syndrome and you're having issues happen. And, and so that's really difficult too. Is it, is it curable though? I, I feel like that's a silly question, but I really truly don't know. Um, it depends on when you find out that you have Lyme. Okay. Um, so if you get it right away, sometimes you can get on a Z pack of antibiotics and, um, kick it. But most of the time, um, you're going to have issues with it for a long time. Oh, wow. Okay. So what does a day in the life look like for you? Uh, it's pretty nuts. Um, I get up at around 4:45, 5 a.m. every day. And, um, depending on the time of year, uh, I'll either, um, start with work and then I'll go for a run and then work again. And then sometimes it's a second run or it's a strength session and then, um, work until I fall asleep. And pretty much I do that every day. (laughs) So you, you own your own coffee business, Stoked Coffee. And when you say work, is that what you're doing? Yeah. So what Uh does that mean? What does that look like? Um, Let's see. Uh, So we have a um, coffee roastery and 
um, tasting room, which technically is like coffee shop in Hood River, Oregon. And then um, we're opening a new location here in Park City, Utah. So a lot of it's just running running that business, um, whether it's virtually for Hood River operations or here um, in Park City. And then we also launched uh, Instant Coffee, which we call Stoke Sticks. And so um, pushing a wholesale strategy around getting that out into the marketplace through wholesale. Um, so, What made you decide you wanted to start a coffee business? So when I was 11 years old, uh, I was working for the mayor's of, office of art, culture, and film in Denver, Colorado. And I would get coffee for everyone every day. And I started tasting it and I started liking it. And then at that young age, I decided someday I wanted to have a coffee business and have it tied around inspiring people to get outside and influenced by the outdoors. And um, so Stoked is all about that. So we are the only coffee company that sponsors a fleet of athletes. So we have 26 athletes on our team. Oh, cool. And... um, our whole mission and vision is to um, inspire the masses to get outside. That's so cool. Can people buy it online? Yeah, so at stokedroasters.com. Okay, very cool. What's your favorite kind of coffee to do? Like, do you guys have several different uh, brews? We have six different blends, um, and we pick different origins based off of how we're roasting it. And they're all named after kind of like outdoor themes, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that's fun. And then um, we have an espresso, and then we usually always have single-origin coffee on hand, too. Um, And my favorite um, is uh, the Bluebird Blend, which is like a medium dark roast. Um, So it's real smooth and chocolatey, and um, it's always been my favorite. (laughs) Let's – we can talk about this off record, but let's do a giveaway with the listeners. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Get people excited about it. Okay, so what um, what are you excited about outside of running and coffee these days? Um, I am just – the biggest thing right now is just being so excited to live in Park City, Utah. Um, I have developed a really, really awesome group of friends here, and it's probably my favorite place I've ever lived. And so it's – interesting it's like I wake up every day and I just can't believe where I live and Mm, Whole Foods Whole Foods just opened up like a quarter mile away so my roommate and I just walk there and get croissants in the morning and um, so it's just it's been this like excitement about just people and culture and just kind of being lucky to be alive (laughs) sounds kind of corny but (laughs) no but like you're living it like you're doing what you're living what you love yeah and you I mean it could be scary to do that because you're like I'm gonna go ahead and try to be a professional runner and own my own coffee company like I feel like you can have these dreams and think about it and think about it but you're doing it yeah and you know some days that's really hard and it's so much pressure and it's scary and you put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to perform in both of those. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm literally, I've created this dream and I'm living my dream and it's all because of really hard work. And, and it's validated when you have folks like friends or family that are like, wow, you're living the dream. And I'm like, 
Yeah, <laughs> but with hard work. <laughs> right, yeah, you're working for it. Now, um, we yeah. without getting into, like, the story, you mentioned your ex-husband and you have a roommate now. Like, how has running healed you through what I'm assuming was probably a difficult process? Um, you know, I think what was so helpful was um, it, it actually all happened while I was in the Four Deserts races. And so we kind of kept it under the radar. And what was most beneficial actually was that friendship circle and that family of friends that I created that helped me um, from the get go to get through it. And I think running has actually helped a bit too with that healing process of um, you kind of go into meditation sometimes when you run and you it's really, that's really hard, heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's almost like on those down days running in nature makes you heal and feel free and, um, feel alive again and feel like you can reboot. And I don't know. I mean, I think that's another benefit of Park City is, you know, I'm in a place that I am really happy and that I love and, you know, I hope to find, um, you know, that life partner and, and new soulmate here. And so I think I'm kind of like turning that corner where I'm excited to branch back out again. Oh, good. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe you'll meet at Whole Foods. Well, that's what my roommate thinks is going to happen. <laughs> I do go there like two or three times a day now that it's a quarter mile away. So you never know. So boys out there, you know. Yeah, I love in Park City, Utah. Come eat me at Whole Foods. If you're, ha- if you're hanging out at the salad bar, drinking kombucha, yeah. that's where I'll be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, truly running is just like running or any kind of endurance sport is just it is very healing no matter what you're going through in life. So I'm glad. You and I think that. it's I think it's been that way for me since I was little, you know, it was it was my freedom as a kid, you know, I could kind of go run on my own. And, um, so it was a a chance for me to just let any troubles go away or hardship at home and so on. And just have this moment where it's like, wow, my two legs are allowing me to go through nature and explore. And, um, it's a really, it's a special sport in that sense. Totally. Um, okay, Jax, what is one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Um, I want to hike Kilimanjaro. Mm. Now, does that, to me, as someone who is in shape and runs marathons and whatever, but hasn't done these <laughs> extreme things that you've done, like, to me, that sounds hard. But, like, would that be, like, a huge physical challenge comparative to, you know, the Grand Slam Plus? Um, I think it, um, no. Um, and I think that's where I'd be like, let me see if I could be the fastest woman to do it. (laughs) It's a problem. Right. Like you would, you would just like leisurely hike it. Yeah. We would probably just add on some other challenge. Oh, sure. Yeah. To make it like epic, really, really epic. Oh, that's cool. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, I would say that Grand Slam Plus journey is is what I'm most proud of. That was um, just because of how much went into it in mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really stoked about um, having that as my staple. What's um 
what's it, some advice you have to someone who is pursuing like a goal like that that's just kind of out there and crazy? Um, step by step, positive affirmations, and I think every day if you know, you have that big goal out there and you create these miniature goals and um, you keep that positive mindset, the universe is going to support you and it will happen. Mm, that's good. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Get outside and explore. Because <laughs> I feel like if uh, more people are doing that, it's going to heal the world. Yeah. Isn't it a sad life to think of not getting outside and doing stuff, just anything? Yeah, I can't imagine. I actually, when I, um, I'm forced to take time off, I actually get a little depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Okay, so... I, you strike me as someone who's not into famous people, and that's totally fine. Um, and I'm not really either. But if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, who would it be? Um, I actually would pick um, this Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, actually, because okay. he's so mindful. Mm. Um, so uh, I definitely would go to him. But then I would want to go have a cocktail with Taylor Swift because she oh. seems so rad. See, I wasn't. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that based on just like, I'm. This is me being judgmental of like an ultra runner. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I just wouldn't guess that this like ultra runner would be into that. But that's awesome. I watched this documentary on Apple TV of her. It was like her world tour video or something, and I just how she performs is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, but I love. Uh, how powerful she has been with standing up for musicians and Mm. that whole side of things too is really cool. Totally. I, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible what she's like done with herself, just branding wise too. I mean, it's like, and this is not to be malicious at all, but like, if you look at her voice, like she does not have like a beautiful Christina Aguilera voice, but she has like made herself into this just like icon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she rocks it. And yeah. it's like how performs with so much confidence uh-huh. is a thing too. Like I feel like I love music, like completely addicted. And I really like I like all genres depending on what mood I'm in. Um but it's really interesting when you see people live, like some folks just can't translate mm-hmm. it over, but like she's one in particular or Black Eyed Peas is another one where it's like when you go and see them live, it blows your mind and they are so good. Um so that's really fun too. Ooh, I've never seen Black Eyed Peas Black Eyed Peas live, but I can imagine they'd be good. Oh. Who, it's so fun. Who are some of your other favorite bands? Um, I'm really into like um, stuff like uh, Daft Punk, Odessa, okay. um, Dead Mouse, like all the kind of like more like techno, electronic, house. Um, but then I love, um, I mean, I like, <laughs> I like it all because then I'm really into rap lately. Okay. <laughs> so it's definitely mood driven for me. But when you go out and train on the trails and stuff, you don't listen to music, do you? Uh, always. Techno. Really? Yeah. I like It's like a dance party on the trails. I'm so surprised. I just, I don't, yeah. do you have to bring like backup batteries and stuff? No, iPods these days can go for like eight hours. And so you have a few. Do you ever feel, If it's a long day. Do you ever feel unsafe if you're like out there by yourself? 
And you have no, no not around here. No. Uh-uh. And I mean, like, Park City, it's so cool. There's 400 miles of trails here, and it's all, you feel super safe. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's the best, most recent book you've read? I am, um, actually, Modern Romance. Okay. That's my, that's probably my favorite of the summer. Is that like a fun, like a fun book or what is it? Aziz Azari, hopefully I didn't botch that. He's a comedian. Oh, totally. And he um, did extensive research on the world of dating and all that and like coming back into that scene now. Like it's, um, it was so funny and so awesome of like looking at how evolution of dating and relationships and marriage and um in this time versus like back in the day when you'd like marry your neighbor mm-hmm. and it was so fun and then I'm also now I'm reading um Kevin Hart's book okay. I can't make I can't make this up so funny um I love that guy I totally want to see him live like I can't wait till his tour starts coming to the west somewhere um um, you are the second person now that I think of it, that's recommended modern romance. It's so good. Everyone needs to read it. <laughs> I feel like Kevin Hart's under some like media scrutiny right now. Did he like, he like got, he's like being, uh, people are saying he cheated on his wife or something. Did you hear oh, that? I feel, no. like, I feel like I heard that on another podcast. I could be, oh, ma- no. I could be spreading rumors, but, oh. and I don't know, maybe it's not even true. <laughs> I need to go Google that. Google that. Google that. Uh, I mean, you oh. can still support his tour. He's not married to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can still laugh. <laughs> yeah, you can still laugh. If he makes if he makes you feel good, then that's fine. Like if he gives yeah. you a little little happiness in your soul. Um, yeah. do you have any favorite like drinks or apparel or anything you're loving right now? I am really into Z Supply. Okay, what's uh, that? It's kind of a new brand, um, but I'm kind of like a Tom girl. And uh, you can find it online. And I found it at this tiny little boutique store here in Park City called Prospect. And it's kind of like super fun sweats and like kind of more sloppy clothes, but okay. funky and fashionable and awesome for lounging around or people that work at home. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'd say that's, that's probably my favorite right now. People who sit in their closet and do podcast interviews. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm staring at all. I have a shoe addiction. Um, so that's another thing about me. I love sneakers. Um, so I have like, I'm looking at um, nine pairs of high tops right now. Um, and I have these Adidas wedge high tops, actually. Um, and then I found this new brand called Seaves, S-E-A-V-E-E-S, which are super cool new kicks. Okay. Loving them. I know what those are. My husband actually just got a pair. I think they must. I don't know if they're new or they just are marketing better, but. He didn't discover them himself. He did like, he ordered like a trunk club one time because he like can't find time to dress himself. And they sent these shoes, but he wears them every day now. Oh my God. They're so fun. Yeah. And if he's not like wearing running shoes, he's wearing those CVs or like his like fancy work shoes or whatever. Yeah. They have like these funky slip-ons and then there's like a. high tops and super fun yeah I have like um maybe 30 pairs of sneakers in here right now whoops and like (laughs) like one pair of dress shoes um yeah actually I yeah probably two and then a lot of boots I love boots so fry is 
Um, probably I love Mark brand of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, they have a really good cowboy boot. Um, and then Steve Madden. I really want to get some cowboy boots. I, so I went on a girl's trip to Austin two years ago and bought a pair of like used boots from like this like trailer thing. This guy was like selling them or whatever. And, um, that sounded really weird, but you know what I mean? Like a little market and he was like out <laughs> of a trailer. Um, but I that bought, means they're legit. Yeah, they were, and but they were they were too small, and I knew it when I bought them. But I loved how they looked so much. I bought them anyway. So I finally, I did this minimalist challenge where I was like getting rid of the things I don't use, and I was like, I got to get rid of the boots. I don't wear the boots, and I finally did. Oh, but so now it's... I really want to get some that actually truly fit. Like, cause I'm like, oh yeah, I would put them on and they'd look cute, and we'd be getting ready to go out, and I'm like, dude. So we have three kids, and I'm like. I'm not going to, like, spend the evening away from my kids just to be uncomfortable. Like, I'm going oh, to no, fully yeah. embrace and enjoy this evening, and it's not going to be in uncomfortable boots that don't fit. <laughs> uh-uh. you got to be sassy and sexy and feel, like, real legit and comfy. Yeah, Fry. Check them out. Okay. I'm going to have to do it. Fry cowboy boots. Okay. They're so legit. So my roommate, though, she, um, for Halloween, she's making these. She has shoe stretchers. Oh, really? Oh, maybe I should have looked into yeah. that. Yeah, she literally is stretching out a pair of shoes for her Halloween costume. She's going oh. to be a sporty spice, and okay. they are seven-inch platform shoes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Are you new dressing thing. up for Halloween? I'm going to be ballerina, so I got legit ballet clothes. Oh, that's adorable. I love that. <laughs> that's so fun. My, my roommate's making me a, t- a tutu. Oh, so fun. Going all out. Are you guys going to a party? Yeah, I think um, two different parties, one on Saturday and then one on Halloween. So then will you go out and stay out late and then still get up at like six and go run like nine million miles? Yeah, so there is a slice of my friends that um, know that I can somehow rally until the early morning and then somehow I am up raging through a really long run and sometimes I've raced the next day Mm. (laughs) well you'll be it is Tuesday Halloween's Tuesday so you might be like not really tapering for New York but maybe not doing anything crazy yeah so it'll work out fine yeah all right well this was really fun thank you so much for coming (laughs) on my show Yeah, thanks so much. I'd love to be here. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Jax, for coming on the show and being an amazing guest. You guys can follow me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. If you search groups, we have a group going there, too, where we are doing a book club along with talking about all other things podcast related with the show. This month, we're reading How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald, and I will be picking the November book club pick very soon. I want to thank Generation UCAN for supporting this podcast. You guys go to generationucan.com slash another. Use the promo code another all caps to get 15% off your order. I also want to thank Zappos for supporting this podcast. You guys go to zappos.com and check out their running gear. And if you're thinking about a February marathon, half marathon, 5K, or 10K, join me for the Donna Marathon Weekend. You guys go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the promo code Lindsay15 to get a discount on your entry. All right, guys. And before I go, I'm going to leave you with a little sample of the live show. 
you guys can get access to the full show. It's an hour and 40 minutes if you support my Patreon page. Just go over to patreon.com slash lindsayhine. And all future live shows will also be aired over on Patreon. Not only do my live shows get released on Patreon, I also release bonus episodes with returning guests and episodes with my husband, Glenn. All right, guys, enjoy this little piece of the live show. Uh, Maggie? Yeah, so think? I think it's very similar that it's it's always been kind of black and white for me, too. You set a goal and you hit it, and if you do, you're successful, and if you don't, you're a failure. And that's in running. Um, if you have a goal of a 4.15 marathon, which was my PR, if I had hit like a 4.15.20, would I really felt like that was success or not? And I was a little younger then. Um, but I also think I'm in sales, so I either hit my quota or I don't hit my quota, and that's monthly. So I either am successful that month or I'm a failure. This past month, I was a failure. As I'm running this half marathon this morning, I get like seven texts about the deal that was supposed to happen today that didn't. So again, fantastic morning. But um, I will say there's some perspective that has come with age. I can talk about a marathon that I was supposed to run. Actually, my podcast uh, with Lindsay was like four days before. I know a couple of you guys were with me in Virginia. And I had trained-ish for the race. And I was going to start the race, and I was going to finish the race. And... It was 30 mile per hour winds and 40 degrees, and my daughter had vomited like 12 times on me and my friends, Megan and Martha, and all of you who were there. Martha did do the race, so I gotta give you props for doing it. Um, I was telling the ladies at this table that literally I got dressed and I took pictures and uh, as if I was gonna get on that start line, and we walk outside and we can't get to the start line because of um, the roads were blocked. So Martha, who this is what Martha does, she like flags down a cop and was like, hey, we need to get to the start line. He's like, okay, I'll drive you. And I look at the group of people that had to get in that car to get to the start line. I was like, well, we're not gonna fit, so I'm out. <laughs> Literally, I walked back to the house and I, Megan was taking care of Penny and I was like, hey, I'm back, I'm not doing this race. And the younger Maggie would have considered that a failure because I trained, and, and not just trained, I said I wanted to run a marathon in Penny's first year and I didn't do it. And I think that would have been failure, but now I can look back and say like, A, what was that goal about anyway? Was it really my goal or was it because I thought people were gonna think, man, she's a badass? I realized it wasn't my goal. It was, it was something arbitrary I thought people would think that would give me value that really didn't exist. And the fact that I could look back and have no regrets and could say like that was the right decision for me that day and not feel bad about it, to me is success because it's me just growing as a human and realizing like, Sometimes things happen, and sometimes you have to make the right decision for you. And especially, like, I used to have a blog, and I used to put all of my, like, goals and ambitions and feelings and probably way too much personal shit in there. Um, Sorry, procrastinating mom. Um, (laughs) Her face right now. We don't censor. It's fine. I think she just said, like, you're on the air, which is really cute. (laughs) iTunes might, like, take my podcast down because I never censor that. It's fine. It's fine. I promise. Um, but anyway, I probably put a lot of stuff out there personally. Megan's going to have to talk her off a ledge. Um, but the reality is, uh, I, I think because I put myself out there, I would think like the whole world world that read my blog knows I'm trying to do X in this race. And if I don't, all these people are disappointed in me. And it, it, there's a little bit of narcissism there because the, real, the reality is like nobody is thinking on a Saturday morning, well, Maggie didn't do it. Like, it's not their life, right? So... I think when you get a little older and have that perspective, like there's some success in that. 
word. Like, for real. That's so good. I, well, I was just thinking about that today, actually, because I have, like, my sights set on running this really fast marathon this fall at Monumental. We have a representative from Monumental over here. Um, and I had in my head, and I kind of blame Glenn, because he puts these, like, really... <laughs> he's over there, you guys. He's... He's done a lot today, so I can't I can't bash him too much. And he complimented me on my hair, which is like a really nice thing for a guy. Because I got a lot of inches cut off my hair, and I think my husband is like barely noticed. So good job, Glenn. He's a good one. He's a keeper. Okay, but I need to stop for a second. (laughs) Too much. He is so into his hair, you guys. It's good hair. It's good hair. You guys, seriously, for like, I'm like, for like eight years, I buzzed cut his hair. Like, on the front porch. Like, he would like just take his shirt off and we had to be on the front porch and I'd be buzzing his hair. And then he was like, I think I have really good hair. I'm going to grow it out. (laughs) And he owns it. Like, he's like in the mirror before work. He's like styling it and he takes the brush with him to work. Like, literally takes the brush with him to work. So, I haven't had a compliment on my hair yet. He does have, he, you know what, if our kids end up having good hair, it's because of him. Russell with the good hair. Yeah. Um, and the only reason my hair looks, I mean, it's kind of poofy, but the only reason it looks good tonight is because Brittany, came, like, I had a professional come do my hair and my makeup. Very good. I was so tired. I was like, just make me look not tired. Um, so, I don't know where we were going. We're talking about the monumental and your goals. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So, everything you were saying, and I was like, "Uh uh-huh, 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 because I had in my mind, and based on, like, what we've talked about, I had a baby 10 months ago. He's 10 months, right? Is he 11 months? He's 11 months. And my goal was, like, I'm going to run a 305 at Monumental. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm capable of that. But, like, man, having three little kids is really hard. Like, I'm tired. I'm really tired. And life happens and things happen. And I started checking my goals a little bit. And I'm like, well, maybe my goal should be 310. And that's fine, right? That's fine. Or, and then I was talking to the girls today. And I was like, well, what, maybe I'll go run a 315. And that's not even a PR. But, like, that's awesome, too. Like, I have three little kids. And I'm tired. And he's going to be one, right? So I think what you're saying, Maggie, is like, is like I put myself out there. And I say these big goals. And then I think I need to do them. But now I'm 34, and I'm like, well, it really doesn't matter. Like, no, like you said, nobody cares. Nobody. Like, it feels good to run a fast time, and you feel proud. But, like, nobody else cares, you know? Um, so, and I think part of that is, like, you're doing it for yourself, right? Like, when it's all said and done, you're doing it for yourself, okay? I, I went through this revelation with the Elliptical World Championships. <clears throat> Can we, can we, we, like, get into that a little bit? So because I've been hurt, I bought an elliptical. Do you guys know what that is? It's like an elliptical on wheels. It moves. Elliptico. It's not a, uh, what are those things you stand on? It's not a segue. No. (laughs) It's not a world segue championship. So... I got an elliptico because I I love being outdoors. I love the summer. So whatever, I got this thing and it's it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's really nuts. And there's an elliptical world championships. And I thought 
success was training. This whole year, I've been like, I miss running, I miss training, and feeling sorry for myself. And then I bought this elliptical, and I was like, I'm going to do the world championships, because that's great. And I have not trained. Like, I, and, 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 and I've gone through this whole, like, no one gives a shit. Like, no one cares if you, sorry, sorry, Megan. No. <laughs> um, does anybody from iTunes work here? Because I'm probably going to release this. Um, no one cares if I do this, this world championships. No one cares what time I do it in. I just want to, I'm going to San Diego and riding an elliptical bike up a mountain. That's I just want to have fun. And I was feeling really beat up in the past couple of weeks because I've been really busy and I haven't trained. And the old me would have been like, uh, you suck, you're being lazy, whatever. And now I just, I, no one cares. And I'm what I care about. And now I think Gabe's, my husband's going to come with me. And all I want to do is go to San Diego, have fun with my husband, and go up a mountain on an elliptical bike. And I think that's cool. <laughs> I'm just picturing you going up a mountain on an elliptical bike. <laughs> And, and it's pink. It's a pink one. Well, they're not letting me. Well, I'm not shipping that to San Diego. My elliptical is pink. It's like the, the limited edition breast cancer elliptical. And I'm not taking it from Connecticut to San Diego. Um, so, it would make yeah. really good Instagram pictures, though, Mary. Yeah. So I'm, I'm renting an elliptical. And um, anyway, I'll stop talking about it. If anyone wants... You can come to Connecticut and try mine. It's awesome. But you mentioned Gabe, so I kind of want to like delve into your husband Gabe a little bit because he has a flip phone. Okay, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.